Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are studying the lesson for Wednesday, October 24th. Welcome once again. I am excited. This lesson, all of these have really been way better than I initially thought. I just would glance through them and thought, oh man, this is going to be a bit, I'm going to have to have a little bit extra work on this. But the, the time spent with these have been very good for me. And today's is no different, of course, because it talks about church leaders and unity, uh, specifically apostles, prophets, evangelists, <coughs> pastors, <laughs> teachers. Um, all of these most possess the five precursors to unity that we spoke of yesterday on, on the podcast, the uh, humility, gentleness, patience, tolerance, and diligence. Um, but the more I thought about this, um, of course, there's more. <laughs> and even what I'm talking to you right now is just a glimpse of Wednesday, uh, the lesson for today. So I want to encourage you, please use the links. And um, I'm going to share a mission story at the end of this uh, podcast uh, series about a mission a story that is in the lesson. So I want to encourage you, please watch the videos as well. They're powerful, very inspiring. Um, as I thought about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, I thought about a verse in James 3.18 where we are told, it's the last verse of the chapter, it says, that, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And, you know, unity, um, peace, um, that, that those things go together. You know, when you have peace, you have unity. There's oneness. But there's something interesting that I had never noticed about James 3.18. It says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Usually you sow seed, not fruit. No one throws an apple into the ground. No one throws an avocado um, into the ground. You throw the seed into the ground. But here it says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, of course, the more I read it, I realized it is not the fruit itself that is being sown, but the fruit of righteousness that is being sown. What is that fruit of righteousness? And by fruit, of course, we mean the outcome, the results of righteousness. Um, and of course, it has to deal with peace. Um, but before we go to that, um, you know, it's interesting, James 3.18 and James 4.1, the last verse of chapter 3 and the very first verse of chapter, uh, chapter 4 of James shows us that these verses, chapter divisions, as helpful as they are in helping us, you know, reference, sometimes they get in the way of us understanding the flow of thought. Because James 3.18 finishes with, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then the very next chapter, verse 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? So here, James is transitioning. And he's going to highlight that there is this need of peace, this sowing to produce peace, and it, it's sown by the fruit of righteousness. And then he goes into where do wars come from? Where, whenever there's a war, you need peace. And the war that is being spoken of by here in James is not the war of church or families or anything else. It says, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So as a leader, as a pastor, as an evangelist, as a prophet, as an apostle, I, there has to be peace in my heart uh, before I go and try to sow peace amongst my church and even amongst my family. Because all of us have in our members this war that is raging. 
And righteousness produces this peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This fruit of righteousness enables us to propagate peace to wherever our, our place in, on earth is. Mine is here in Detroit. Mine is with my wife and family, my children. And there's this fruit of righteousness that will empower me to be a peace sower, sowing peace, a, a propagating peace, uh, bringing peace where there's war. Now, I'm going to, of course, build on this um, Romans. I immediately thought of Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, where it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to, to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And here you see the same exact parallel. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spirit-filled, to have the, the work of righteousness upon the heart, gives life and peace. But if not, then we have this carnal mind, the desires for pleasure that war in our members. The carnal mind, which is an enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, to the law of God, nor indeed can be. This is a daily work. Uh, this war within our members can be provoked by others, by others' uh, injustice towards us, or by others enticing towards us. Uh, this past Friday, um, I was giving worship to the Oakwood Academic Center students, uh, and I sh shared with them the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife how Potiphar's wife did not come to Joseph once trying to get him to, to provoke this, these uh, wars inside of him, the, the desires for pleasure. She came day after day, yet day after day, Joseph would put peace within himself by bringing peace between himself and God. Righteousness, a surrender of the will, a surrender of our lives, our hearts, and saying, Lord Jesus, you take um, direction. You take ownership. I, I surrender it to you. Leaders need to do this on a daily basis. If we're going to try to, um, if we're going to attempt to bring or create the community that peace um, is the culture, the culture of peace, we, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. So to have a peaceful environment so that, 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 um, it, fruit of righteousness can be sown, that peace is primarily and first and foremost internal. I must have peace between me and God. I must receive this gift of righteousness within me to be spirit-filled, to have a spirit-filled mind, not a carnal one. Then I can see that my influence will be in that direction and God would work powerfully to bring peace, which of course provides the, the template, the environment for unity to exist as well. And I'm going to cl close with one last thought from the lesson. And I'm not actually going to read it. It's, it's worded so powerfully. And it's, uh, I felt almost disconnected, but I, I now that I looked at these other verses, I see the link. The last paragraph says, there is a strong tendency among, among humans to be independent and not accountable to anyone. Listen to this. Western society in particular is plagued by this inclination. Paul reminds us, however, that no Christian is alone in this world and that we form a community of faith with spiritual leaders to help encourage one another in our common journey. You know what that means? I can't say, well, you know, it's Tuesday. I'll get peace with God on Friday, right before church. Or I'll make peace with God 
you know, by Thursday because I have to teach the Sabbath school or because I have to preach a sermon, but I'll be careless at the beginning of the week, allowing these uh, desires within me to run rampant and war, wage war, not against myself, but against God. These desires of covetousness and idolatry put us in enmity with God. And to be in enmity with God on Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, um, I cannot all of a sudden flip the switch. Every day, I must crucify myself. I must allow myself to die in Christ and allow the righteousness of Christ to become my own by faith. I can't afford to let this war rage within me. You know, there are some wars that can be contained and peace can be brought. But if a war is not contained, if a war is not put on check, it can grow to a point of no return. And Satan wants that for a Tuesday to turn into a Wednesday, for a week to turn into two weeks, for weeks to turn into months and months into years in which I might find myself comfortable being at enmity with God in rebellion against His law. Today, the Holy Spirit is calling us to surrender, especially if we've accepted spiritual roles, spiritual leadership roles in the church. We have influence. And whether we realize it or not, um, even if I'm not preaching, even, even if I'm not teaching, even if I don't have a visible spiritual role in the church, the war that is inside of me will spill into the environment and into my influence of those I come in contact with. The war that rages within me will become the war that will bring disunity and division in my church. Conversely, the peace that I have with God that I treasure and that I protect the time with the Lord every day to reconcile my heart and submit that my heart and mind will be spirit-filled so that I will be able to say like Jesus, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Today, that attitude can create a miracle in your family, in your marriage, and especially you can be the catalyst to bring peace and unity and sustain it and maintain it in your church. Why not choose today to make it a day in which I seek to learn how to live the whole day in prayer, connected to the Lord, meditating on His Word, asking Him continually, Lord, keep me in check, keep me connected with You, fill me with Your Spirit, that I may recognize at any inkling of me um, having this war against You. I want to be at peace with You, that I may be at peace with my brothers and sisters.